It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy. We are at the sports ground. The game is over 50 points to 14. On this week's show will be Dave Finn. Good evening. And Nigel. Hello, Rob. And Lindy McKenzie. Hello. Good to have you all along. That's our crew for this week. And Alan and William, of course, are in the podcast as well because we've got to do their in-game stuff. They're going to really wrap up what was a huge win for Connacht on a great night for rugby. Well, it wasn't brilliant, but they were good. They were good. We're in the sports ground for the INA home game and the final pool game of the Challenge Cup. Um, I've got William Davis. It's a dry-ish day, light breeze. Can it need a win? Yeah, there's a decent prize at the end of this. Uh, a win today, you get a home quarter-final confirmed. Uh, I think they're well up for it. They've picked a fairly strong side, uh, barring the players that aren't available. All the internationals are there. Uh, you have nothing to play for bottom of the top 14 so they're playing for pride today uh, whether that's enough to carry a performance out of them we shall see uh, both sides have completed uh, their warm ups Connacht was quite intense Oinya was a little bit uh, less uh, enthusiastic I think would be the kindest description of it I expect Connacht to win today uh, they want to be accurate and they want to stick to their principles they don't want to start playing messy rugby and they don't want to force it either. I think key with beating these guys in Geneva was to stay patient when they played them. And the old story with the French, they look very big, but you wonder how fit they are. They certainly do. So we'll talk again in 20 minutes. OK, William, it's 20 minutes and Connacht have just scored a bonus point try. Uh, score is 24-7 with the conversion to come. That's a bit of a... Yeah, of a game. Well, it's a little bit what we expected. They had nothing to play for. Uh, they've actually roused themselves a bit because they were completely asleep and Connacht scored three tries in about nine minutes. Uh, Nia Dialokan in for two and then Bundiaki. Uh, but it's really a case of whatever score you like, probably. Uh, bonus accrued after 20 minutes. We'll just see if this kick goes over. It's uh, Craig Ronaldson. And here we go. And, nope, and here it didn't go. Anyway, Connacht have this uh, well in hand, and it's it's all a matter now of uh, professional pride for Oynia and uh, for Connacht. It's an opportunity for uh, for players probably to enjoy themselves a little bit. Indeed, not great, not enjoyable. I prefer a competitive game, but anyway, we'll talk again at halftime. Okay, William, halftime score. 36 points to Connacht, 14 to Ayanya. It's just a training match now, isn't it? Yeah, it has the looks of that. Moynihan um, just scored a try right at the end there. But um, Craig Ronson's gone off with a rather nasty-looking hamstring injury, which is the only real downer in the first half for Connacht. Nia Dialokan in for a hat-trick. they just got to keep their shape. But I think Oinya are just playing, they're like 15 individuals now, they're all trying little things, guys running from here and running from there. Connacht, keep their shape, keep looking to score, get the job done. It's, uh, it's not really very entertaining stuff, but they just every, everybody has to stay focused, that includes ourselves and the players. It does indeed, because I'm as bored as I've been in a match in a long time, but we'll talk again on 60 Minutes. Okay, William, it's just coming up to 60 minutes. There's been no score in the second half and the crowd are getting restless. 
Yes, it's very poor stuff now. There's been a lot of substitutions. Unfortunately, Connor Carey's gone off, which looks like a nasty shoulder injury for Connacht. Um, but it's becoming a bit of a shapeless mess. And there's just a chance if uh, Oynier were to get a score, this, this could get a little tricky for Connacht. Uh, it's got this jointed, which is it was the fear, and they'll be disappointed with it. Obviously, they have a temporary guy in Tiernan O'Halloran at out half which isn't maybe helping because there's a couple of opportunities to kick in behind it. He just weren't taken. But it's a bit of a struggle at the moment and Connacht could do with a score just to absolutely put this to bed. They certainly could. The crowd decided to get behind them too. That's good news. We'll talk again at full time. Okay, William, it's full time. Connacht win convincingly 50 points to 14. Two tries in the second half. Yeah, Tom Farrell, the sub, got in the try, which was converted, and then a penalty try. Uh, just about... Uh, it was needed for Connick just to get, to get back on track. It actually galvanised them a bit, and they played some better rugby after that, because yeah. the first 20 minutes were a real mess. Tiernan O'Halloran got a bit better at, at, at out half. He was struggling a bit, but he, once he got into it, he got the ball moving a little bit. They were actually a bit gamer than I thought they might be. Yeah, They kept going, but... They didn't have much. I mean, the game was over once those three tries went in. And uh, it's a job done for Connacht. Home quarter final at uh, Easter. And they've now got to get back to Pro 14 action, which is different competition, different set of requirements. Uh, I think they'll... Well, you'll feel this is a job done in Europe. They've played 6-1-5. The draw last week will probably take on more significance if they win the quarter-final and then the realisation that they could have been at home for the semis. But um, the win is a win today. And the standout performances, I suppose, Dennis Coulson did well. That's the, the best I've seen him work in a... Well, in, a, in any game that I've seen him play, I thought he was very industrious today, worked really hard. Like me, scored his tries, took them very well. Uh, the loss of Ronaldson, I think, could be huge. Hopefully, it's not as bad as it looked, because then we really don't have any cover at out half. No, that was that was a concern. An injury it was a hamstring, and he went off, and he, he didn't look too comfortable. No, uh, Connor Carey went off as well with his arm in a sling. It's always disappointing in a game like I say, you win so easy that you get injuries like that. I thought the work ethic was was good from Connacht, apart from the first 20 minutes of the second half when it got. I think the subs coming on took a while to settle. Yeah. But then they got up to it. Alton Delan had a very big game. It was quite physical. The French side. I mean, they kept bashing into people. They kept bashing and smashing, which you'd expect from them. Uh, referee maybe let a lot of offside go, which does. It really doesn't help a game. It's not. Both sides were at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's a frustration because it's there to create space for players to play. Yeah. yeah. And that's a tad frustrating. Um, I think the the distribution issue once the out half went off didn't yeah. help. No. Niadi uh, Loken got his damage done early, but got in for his third try. Um, Quinn Roo, big game. Uh, the whole pack operated quite well. Line out got a bit broken up again. It's very hard to keep the focus, I think, in a game like this. And I, what I'm pleased about is that they, that they got the focus back. Yes. I think that's the key bit, that they didn't get into a situation where the whole half just drifted along. They actually galvanised themselves. And um, that's what you want to see. It's a vital part of it. Yeah, once the bench got into gear and got up to speed of the game, it was all good. OK, we're going to leave it there. 
It's the post-game section of the podcast and before we do that we always do the interview so here they are. Kieran, that's the uh, qualification for the quarter-final and a home quarter-final assured. Five wins out of six. So is there a feeling of satisfaction on the European front within the, the team? Yeah, I think everybody's quite pleased with themselves. Um, wanted to do a job today and um, got off to a flyer, which was um, a big focus earlier in the week, and, and that was nice for everybody, and that built some confidence uh, to get eight tries. Really good. Probably wasn't our best second half, but you know, can only play as good as they, the opposition let you. So. And that focus on the the quick start came from last week's rather slow start. Yep. And if the out half hadn't had to go off, if you didn't lose Craig, would there, would that have made the second half a little bit easier? Because it took a while for Tiernan to get into the role at out half. Yeah. Look, uh, there were a whole lot of things uh, in the second half that probably had an influence around things. But um, I thought, personally, I felt we'd broken their back by the first half. So. Uh, <coughs> possibly went through the motions a little bit, but no, it was a it was a pretty good pretty good win. And the substitutes when they came on and we got the second half galvanised. The last twenty minutes of the second half, it was seemed to be a more settled performance from from the earlier start. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I think the uh, the boss out there uh, probably fired a few shots at a few people, and um, they responded so. Mm. Niadi Alokant, two lovely tries early on, and Matt Healy in his in his hundredth game getting a try as well. So that's uh, it's good to see them back and firing. Yeah, no, they've been good. They've been really good, and the outside backs finishing off as as you hope they will. Um, uh, Matt probably didn't get into the game as much as he would have liked, but um, and well, that's what he relayed to me anyway. So. Um, yeah, no, it was just it was a really good first half. No problem. Game one, um, I think we broke their back in their interest. Uh, and then a little bit of a muddled second half. But, you know, you take, you'll take job the, done. Your job done, take the win. Mm. Uh, Dennis Coulson coming in late as a starter, he uh, seemed to me to have a, a fairly effective game around the pitch and uh, quite intense. Yeah, look, um, I'm, I'll have to have a look at the game and uh, from a selectorial point of view, but um, I think a few people put their hands up. Yep. And going forward, when, after your break now, that's what you want with players coming back. You want as many people available as, as possible, you want the, the full squad? Yeah, yeah, look, um, we've got four of our boys away with the internationals and everybody else is getting a bit of a break and no doubt we'll have to feed the international players back in. Um, we've got some big assignments uh, after the break and we're just looking forward to positively towards things. And nothing changes. We're just trying to get better. Karen, the first two of the first three tries came from Grubbers but through by Kieran. It's something we haven't seen before. Are you looking at developing this aspect of his game and asking other guys to maybe do things that wouldn't necessarily have been something they'd used to be doing up till now? Oh, we've, <laughs> we've been trying to do that all the way through, to be honest. So space, um, space is in certain positions, and uh, and it changes within seconds. So it was a nice read, and 
That's a plus. It was nice to see. Dave, that was a comprehensive win, and uh, it was probably done and dusted in the first half. But it's it's still good to to get get that result and the home quarter final. Yeah, look, we were pretty happy. Uh, came out of the box pretty quick in the first half. Got a couple of early tries, and uh, yeah, we were all really happy with that. Obviously, second half uh, wasn't the best, especially the first 25 minutes, but uh, the lads who came off the bench uh, finished out really strong, so um, that was a positive from the second half. Um, yeah, we're all, we're all just delighted to get a home quarter, and really looking forward to it. The, the start compared to last week was so different. I mean, it, it was almost like watching the game in reverse. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. Uh, yeah, two tries the first five minutes. Hasn't happened too many times, but it happened twice in the last two weeks now. So, uh, yeah, look, we were um, very, very annoyed last week to, to be 12 0 down after what, five or six minutes. Um, and that probably cost us a game, realistically. So, um, we're focused on having a, having a good start this week, and, and we got a bit lucky, maybe, but uh, yeah, it worked out well. The, these European games. Um seem to turn on they're, they're quite open games and, and sides maybe just, just, just go for it a bit more is it a different atmosphere for the players does it, does it give you a little bit more breathing space or, or an opportunity to maybe play slightly more uh, attack minded rugby a little bit yeah um, I always like playing against French teams it, it is a bit more open um, we have some big boys there obviously as well but um, yeah like I think sometimes the European games can be a little bit more open uh, it's a little bit more space and stuff so um, uh, tonight there was, there was a lot of space in the wide channel so um, yeah it was enjoyable it was a bit different from the Pro 12 games but um, yeah look I mean we'll be happy playing whatever way so looking forward to the quarter final would I be right in assuming you don't really care that the team don't care who's coming here you feel you can take anybody in this ground on, on any given day yeah, no, I think uh, we'd be happy with anyone, to be honest. I think uh, in the sports crowd, the big European night, on a knockout stage, uh, the fans are absolutely unbelievable. So, um, yeah, we wouldn't fear anyone um, coming here. Obviously, we'd have a lot of respect for the teams that are in the competition, but um, it doesn't really matter who we play here. I think we've got a really, really good chance here. And it's sometimes felt it's a competition that really only gets started at the quarter-final stage. There's, there's a lot of sides get knocked out of position early and maybe aren't fully up for it but when you get to quarter final stage you've eight teams who are all looking at the prize and it's it's quite a close prize at that stage it's it's two games to a final yeah it is um, look we're obviously going to take it one game at a time but everyone knows that it is a way to get into the Champions Cup as well um, so it is a huge prize and I think yeah you're right maybe some teams don't take it too seriously uh, leading up to quarter finals but once everyone's in there it is a huge prize at the end and, and it's silverware which is, is massive and Everyone wants to play in that final in Bilbao, so um, it'd be pretty special, yeah. Okay, coming up in a few minutes' time is a really special interview with Johnny O'Connor from uh, William. You sat down with him, some cool stuff in that, and you'll hopefully enjoy it. But in the meantime, we've got to kind of dissect this game quickly with our panel, who we introduced a long time ago in this podcast, and they're still here. Although, in terms of recording time, now, it's only been a few seconds. That's right, but 15 seconds. Yeah, it's amazing how podcasts work. Yeah, you got it all in one take too, I'm delighted with that. Oh, everyone always knows when that said that I didn't get it all in one take, but the main thing is we're still here, we're still rolling. Lindley, on to you first of all. You're kind of saying, I was kind of suggesting that this was not much of a game. You're like, Rob, come on, that was actually a, a kind of copper fast and a pretty good campaign Challenge Cup so far. Well, absolutely, the fact that they come out of the blocks have scored three tries within 20 minutes and they had the bonus or they had the bonus point wrapped up within 20 minutes or so. Um, they did their job. 
it was always going to be like that, especially in the second half when you had a raft of replacements and, you know, mm. it was always going to get a little bit like that. But at the end of the day, they did their job and they did it well. And and they finished the pool unbeaten. OK, one hiccup last weekend when they didn't get those three points, which they still might rue to this day. But at the end of the day, they, they, they've done their job and possibly not the hardest pool of the group, but it was done. Bigger picture then, and look, the list, our listeners, ooh, that looks, that's why it has a kind of bit of cover on it, but as we'll keep going. Bigger picture, and listeners will appreciate the fact that we don't know who we're playing, but we can, they can fill in the gaps. It looks like Cardiff or Gloucester. Bigger picture. Where do you feel, how do you feel about this campaign? I mean, you, unbeaten is brilliant, but we kind of know, could have been top two. Yeah, the, last week. Just, it was just... It's a, it's a, it's a, it feels like a loss, even mm. though it was a draw. In fairness, mm. it feels like they threw something away. By listening to it, anyway, it feels like they did. So I would be, I'd say they're a little bit disappointed, even though Kieran Kane said uh, he's over it. Um, but still, um, unbeaten. Sure, what more can you ask for? I mean, they've got. It looks like either Cardiff or Gloucester that'll be here. Um, but then. You have to win that, and it's Cardiff because we don't beat them very often, Dave. And it's Gloucester; they're going to be really hard. So no one's taking that for granted. At the same time, the second you beat them, we'll all start going, "Oh, this could have been a home fixture instead; it's an away fixture." Yeah. Are we? Are we just getting way too far ahead of ourselves? We? Well, let, first of all, we're not even sure who we're going to be facing. We still have a. We could. So yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think I think we have to take into account we we've won five games, drawn one, um, maybe. 20 minutes very poor rugby last week cost us the two extra points which would have seen us given the way the game's worked out today we would have finished ahead of Newcastle if we got those two points but we didn't so therefore this is this is the bed we've made for ourselves we've got a home quarter final um, I know that Alan very much likes his stats and he's very much into the home how important a home semi-final is but every now and somebody at some point is going to have to go do you know what the stats don't matter and I know I've just I've just offended him unbelievably there. But at some point, someone's going to have to put their foot down and go, it doesn't matter they're away. If you th- it's almost like it's got into team, and it's, it's in the Pro 14, it's in the Champions Cup, it's in the Challenge Cup, that if you have a home semi-final, you, can't, you, you, you will win. He said, well, that's got to change at some point, and why can't Connacht be the team to do that? Let's get to the semi-final first, and then we'll worry about who we're facing there. We still don't know who we're facing in the quarterfinal. Let's not even think about semi-finals yet. All right, that's fair enough. Lindy, we're looking at this squad, though. A couple of injury concerns. Maybe, like, listeners will have heard a little bit of the press conference, but you got to be... We're going we're gonna to be a little bit concerned about Conor Carey. He's been really good in the Adiolokan. What a game he had tonight. We don't want to see him out for too long either. And uh, proud Craig Ronaldson seems to have picked up a knock, too. Yeah, he has a leg injury. I'm not sure whether it was a hamstring or, or what it was, but mm. um, look, they've got they've got a, a few weeks of a couple of weeks of well, they've got one week off anyway. At least. Are they doing that thing again where they kind of train next week and then take the break? The yeah, I think they week, come yeah. back immediately after on Monday to do the review of this match and to get that out of the way. And I think then they're going to have um, a few days off. I, I think about a week off um, before they're back in in, in action again. Um, and I think that's going to be vital for, for some of those injuries to to establish you know the extent of them. I'm not sure. What what Connor Carey was actually um, yeah it was hard to see but yeah, yeah. one was a, who, who someone had a shot what was the shot was that a shot it was shoulder yeah and Connor's came Carey. at scrum time it was yeah, like yeah. an eight, almost yeah. felt like an elbow injury or something you know yeah. just he, he, when the scrum dropped he did something yeah, he something. has been he's been he's been exce- he's done exceptionally well hasn't he um, did you see the reception he got as well because yeah, the fans he, are he has done it, exceptionally yeah. well it's great to see and obviously Finley who was um watching from the sidelines today um, I think he has about three three weeks so you know maybe by the time we get back this, 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 this break is over we might you know be in a better position 
Are you moving on to international selections? Like four? Could have been as many as six. Finley Beelman was actually named in the press release as one of the injured players not considered. So that just shows you he was certainly right there in the mix. Tiernan is the one that I think most people in other provinces would agree with us when we say he's hard done by. Yeah. I hate to focus on that. First of all, we should focus on the four, which is a good return considering we're not exactly Champions Cup. You know, we're not on top, top form this year. No, that's true, that's true. Um, Delight of Quinn Roo has put in big shifts in the last while. I think he's, they kind of like the way he works at Sharon Rook time, he's a real workhorse, you know. Um, he's doing well in the Pro 14, his line of work is doing a lot, a lot better. Um, Ulton Delan's on fire. He's sickening lads there today again, just smashing through them. So um, they're, they're all going to be in the mix. Um, uh, Bundy, hope Bundy's all right. He he didn't look right from early on in the game today, but um, I think he's got a few weeks to get that right. It seemed like a dead leg. We used yeah, to call yeah, it. Yeah. The hematoma that he has, and I think you know the fact that he came on strapped today, and but they took him both him and Karen Mami and off. Yeah. as soon as they could basically as soon as they had the game wrapped up and that's just as a precaution for the internationals and also because they've had such a huge workload as well recently we haven't so with that in mind unless someone wants to add anything more on the international elements we, we, we didn't see Peter Arkey in the last couple of weeks he's obviously going to come into the reckoning now Caelan Blade is showing some good form as well you've got to think about this run of games in February for the Ospreys Zebra Treviso away Cheetahs away so important to their Champions Cup qualification hopes and you won't have four players maybe more yeah, that's true. I mean, definitely there is a, those four. Guys, the four guys give bring something that is not there. Obviously, it's not there when they're not there. I think the most significant thing is that we're losing two second rows, and James Cannon at a pinch might have played today. He okay, he's so been, far from coming. He's, he's, he needs to be wrapped up in cotton wool. And then you have got Gavin Thornbury who was ruled out before the game with another minor knock. Now again, we don't know. It could be serious. It could not be. But there's there's certain positions that you need players to stay fit in. We've seen today what happens, how disruptive it is when you, lose your, when you lose your 10 and you don't have a 10 on the bench. We didn't really have a second row cover. I mean, Killian Gallagher can play there, but he's, I think they're furthering him at six. So Gallagher will definitely come into the equation there as well. And then below that, if anything was to happen to either those of either Thornbury or, or uh, Cannon, you're looking at someone like Peter Claffey coming in. Now, Peter Claffey is a good young player, but he's got no... He's got no pos. He's got no experience at this level, and then then you really are starting to putting somebody from the back row into the second row, and it's interesting. So we need to be we need to wrap some of these guys up on wall, but it'll be interesting what happens. But I would be worried that we don't have depth in second row. Yeah, but just remember that uh, some of these players, if they're not going to be used, will be released by Joe Schmidt. So it's quite possible. Okay, it's qu- it's quite possible that one or two or both of them could be released by Joe Schmidt. You know, dur- throughout the Six Nations so period. So yeah, and yeah. we'll be we'll be hoping for that because these games are vital. Like the Ospreys and Tisbury at home. I hate this word, but I'm going to say they're must wins if you want to be any way serious about getting your objective of Champions Cup qualification. I think every game going to have to the rest of the season is must win. Simple as that. Okay. Do you know they've left too many points behind them okay. in games they should have won and I don't think they have any other option but yeah. every game is, is most to win no. yeah, you can say that we're but done with this these games are important and those games aren't as important yeah. Yeah. when you talk about them in that context like yeah, every game is important yeah. whatever but no yeah. uh, from now on they've, they've no they've no uh, feedback I'd say the one thing I, maybe I'm hoping it happen is the cheetah game before the it's after the quarter final oh, no sorry, it's before, before the quarter final yeah, yeah. so we have a block of four games and that's the end of that uh, well I hope that time is used wisely down there I'd say you know it'd be worth bringing the, nearly the whole squad down you know bit of bonding yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Bit, like, bit like Russia was. I don't think that's up to um, well they won't be able to build, bring the no, whole squad down they'll, they'll have comments. a very strict it's, limitation it's up to yeah. the Pro 14 how much they're willing but even the guys who go down there Lily there'll be a bit of an experience there mm-hmm. in that and they're probably coming at the right time ahead of that quarter final like. 
I'm sure they'll send as strong a team as they possibly can. I'm I'm not convinced about it's that. The right actually. time. You think it's a great disruptive? I, yeah, yeah okay. I'm not. I'm not convinced about that. And given the fact that okay. they're going to Bloemfontein, and it's a very difficult place to go to when they're up against a very strong uh, side there, I'm not sure what sort of team Kieran Keane maybe or maybe not be tempted okay. to take down there. It, this it depends on possibly it will well, obviously it will depend on injuries to start with. What sort of squad he has available to him, and it might just depend on who we're facing in that in that quarter final, you know, and where he thinks the priorities are going to lie, you know. Does or if he, want- he if he gets three wins before that, he may well look at that as just bonus territory. Then, you know, if you get wins yeah. against the Ospreys, Zebra yeah. and Treviso, like, yeah. yeah, and I mean, just you have, as I say, you have to remember that what the squad situation might be like and you know do you want to go for the I think you know Kieran Keane indicated in there this evening when he was asked um you know champ, uh, about Champions Cup and, and, and the Challenge Cup and the rich route and he said you know he he did indicated that Connor were definitely going to go for for the for the Challenge Cup yeah because it's such a huge um Parish really, you know, a final in Bilbao. Like, what color? What, what, like, what memories you can create around the team? What experience it can be? So, so that's what we're all kind of dreaming of, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, when when we look back in 15, 20 years, we'll be there going, we'll all, we won't remember how many times we qualified for the Champions League. We won't remember all the all the all the good points and the bad points. But if we make finals, I mean, yeah. the one thing about even if we'd lost the Pro 12 final, we would we were in Edinburgh for it, and we would have we would have never we wouldn't have changed missed that experience but we won it and therefore the fact that we won and we're at the final is fantastic even if we don't win the Challenge Cup but we're in Bilbao for the final that's a huge statement for Connacht and that's going to be a huge experience for the fans and they're to be savoured and yeah qualifying through the league is great but the memories come from finals yeah I agree with that (laughs) That's true. This is our big competition. And I think, I think there's a lot more to come from this Connacht team. I think do you? I, do. I was kind of wondering, no, where no, are we? No, I, I think there's more to come from this Like this Connacht. season we're talking about. Obviously, yeah, this, more in the this season, yeah. I, I do. I think, I think really, you know, that, that the Challenge Cup has provided an opportunity for this Connacht team to gain that confidence and that momentum that they needed. Okay. Because let's face it, their heads were down a little bit. After Zebra, we're talking in particular at the start yeah, of this I mean, block, that, yeah. that was kind of the nadir, really, was, yeah. was losing over there in, 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 in Zebra. And I think, you know, this competition... and for some reason always has provided that for yeah. Connor, that little bit of boost that and they are playing, we're seeing the type of game that Kieran Keane, you know, wants to play. The players seem to certainly be enjoy it and be enjoying it. You can see that there's so much more even vocal with each other on the pitch. You could see right from that was it the first try or the second try, first try, that you know, Tunano Holleran was literally shouting, calling to calling over to Kiramami and this way, this way, and Kiramami and chips through. I mean, so there's a there are a lot more there's a lot more leaders. I think taking. I think everyone feels more comfortable with their giving their opinion, you know, um, than possibly heretofore. That you know some of the younger ones may have been sort of not quite so confident to do that. But I think there's a lot more sort of you can you can sense the difference with this team that it is growing and maturing and it is becoming more confident. There goes the uh, famous, incorrectly described as a Sandmore one day. Now, just maybe to finish that point, and I guess the Eagles, though, I just got to mention them. I think they might have been mentioned earlier in the podcast by the lads. That was poor last night. So how much strength and depth is there is going to be key as well. Because we don't we always say this? As much as you believe there's something coming, then they, you know, you need a bit of luck too. If we get a few key injuries, it's going to be hard to compete. You take that point first, Mike. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about Eagles' performances. Okay. I think they're, you know, you just 
they're, they're about player development There's, um, Munster, Munster are playing uh, they have a sub-scrum half on the bench and he got released from their academy or sub-academy but they're still playing him on the bench I mean you know what are you going to learn from that I think you know you have to try and bring in your kind of new fellas and you have to try and implement you know different things with them um, but as I said I, I'm not worried about Eagles performances at all yeah. player performances I'd be worried about not Eagles and performances and do you feel we have that kind of the squad depth you're happy enough with overall in certain places yeah in certain places like, I mean we're, we went out again today with um, 110 do you yeah. know what I mean and, yeah. he was and, and boy did it tell yeah well it did and he was carrying you know he was carrying an injury his leg was strapped up before the game so I think that was a risk though that they were prepared to take for oh, this yeah. particular match because of who because we were playing on oh, yeah and we were expected to win I think if it was maybe a different match maybe they wouldn't I don't know they were they were a crock like they were rubbish they were awful. yeah they were rubbish we haven't spent a lot of time in this there's, no there's, no there's no point there's no point talking about that game really. they turned up no inches in tackling the first half they had a bit more interest when they brought on a few forwards but. well I think it's significant that they also lost their out half with about 5-10 minutes, minutes to go in the first half and Whatever about Tiernan being a fullback, I don't know if he's done it since school. <laughs> at, least, at, least, at, he, <laughs> at least Tiernan didn't miss touch with his kicks, and he kicked. It looked like he had kicked the ball before. I mean, sometimes, yeah, I, I would agree with. I would agree with. No, I think we there are certain places I think we're a little lacking in depth. Lacking in depth in ten. The Eagles, when as long as guys are actually prepared to put in the hard work results don't worry I've seen, we're talking about scratch teams that we don't know who's available I mean that team was I didn't see the announcements with that team until 20 minutes before the game and you know Rotherham would have known exactly who was playing exactly what they were doing we were training with each other two three times this week it's, it is quite literally men against boys at times um, as long as guys are prepared to stand up and they're not, they're not going out there and you know not putting in some sort of effort uh, I'm with Niall on that one so yeah so the individual performance is good if you get a result like we got against the two matches against Richmond great but um Oh, it's good. It's what well, it's seeing these guys develop and get better as they're going on. Even if the results don't go their way, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, the result is incidental for me anyway. You yeah. know, if you're if you're a behemoth where you have players, you know, coming up everywhere. Do you know like, what I mean? Like, let's say. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. No, they have. Yeah, and then yeah. you can they, they can afford them. you can afford to do mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But I don't. It's it's things have to be done differently here. That's that's what I I believe in. Right? David Howard is our fitness head, uh, his assistant, uh, among other things, and, and a key man in his uh, setup is a, a famous comic man, Johnny O'Connor. And William Davis sat down with him. Here's a bit of that. Johnny O'Connor, you're welcome along to the Craggy Rugby Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. No, we've we've had you on, Sorry, the, on yeah. the podcast before, uh, so you're you're a veteran of this. Uh, Broadcast. Uh, I, re- I, re- I recall it fondly. Uh, and you were at that stage not working for Connacht, but now you are working for Connacht as a strength and conditioning coach. How is that going? Yeah, really, really well. You know, I think uh, my uh, my background after we got a bit more diverse, and I went into football. But uh, I think uh, I have a lot more context in terms of rugby, so it's a lot more enjoyable for me. I'm not saying the other job wasn't, but this is just like somewhere where I feel a lot more comfortable. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. I think particularly rugby players in terms of their stage development and their attitude and what they aspire to, they're sometimes a bit easier to work with. But uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's an incredible uh, franchise or province and uh, obviously playing and been from here as well. Like uh, I have an, emo- an emotional link to this place and wanting it to do well and uh, I think to attain that you can win things but that's obviously already been done so uh, 
that great things can happen here and uh, not be restrictive in terms of your own beliefs of what the province can do and what the team can do at any given time, you know. And that 2016 wasn't a flash in a pan and that I hope to be part of something that proves something bigger than that again. And can you give us a, an overview of the role? Because there's this... It, Modern rugby encompasses so many different strata of, of background skills. Um, so, so what what, are you, what is your day-to-day role within the structure? I suppose any of us that work over there were called strength and conditioning coaches, but in the reality is everything doesn't happen in the gym, you know. So a lot of my role would be part of rehabilitation, getting guys returning to contact, returning to running, and then returning to rugby, but also in terms of we'd have a sports scientist and analysing data in terms of running loads of players, uh, workloads of players, and just trying to look for like opportunities where we can taper down players on or, or push them on. And then we have a head of athletic performance that oversees all that in terms of the physios, and we try and put in frameworks to make our decision-making processes uh, easier. So there's, there's a lot more in it rather than a guy goes in lifting weights get better. There's certain kind of ways of doing that, and... What are the buckets that player needs? Does the player need to get stronger? Does the player need to get faster? Does the player just need to be fit? And what's the most important at that given time? So the role is a lot more diverse when people <laughs> would think it is, and there's a lot going on with it. But uh, yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's probably enjoyable, and incredibly rewarding when you sit down and put your work through, particularly from players returning, coming back from injury, and watching them kind of because you want them to come back better players and confident, and watching them kind of blossom into like you know the, what the actual talents are and stuff if you go back to when you started with Connacht in, in, in 2000 uh, I was looking have do a little bit of research here you from 2000 to 2003 you played 27 times for Connacht and then you went off to Wasps and played 70 games and came back then for the for the remainder of your career here so has if, if you go back to 2000 has the strength and conditioning has the way players are trained has it changed at all or has it changed radically or what's happened it changed radically i probably think in 2000 we were probably ahead of the game ahead of the other provinces obviously talent wise and experience wise they were probably a bit ahead of us in that curve but certainly uh our strength and conditioning I think we were probably doing better work than all the other problems at the time. We were very, very young and we assembled a young squad and a lot of players that went on to do great things and play international rugby after leaving the province at that time. But I think we were very strong there. My uh, previous uh, boss, who was uh, the head of uh, sports medicine at Arsenal, Des Ryan, was the head here at that time. And uh, I think he was very, very forward thinking. We did a lot, a lot of good things. But of course, each year you progress and move on and... Look, the the same the principles stay the same. Like it's just it's just your decision making just moves on. You're just getting that. You you strive to get better, like month on month and year on year, and trying to make little changes. But the tweaks aren't that different. But I'd say essentially technology's had a big effect in terms of how strength and conditioning is work in terms of how we recover data and how we make decisions as well. Also, but I still cut the art of kind of coaching is still a big big part of it. And when you say recover data, how, how, what's going well, like, on there? Well, it is, in terms of like, you know, using our GPS units in terms of recording workloads of players in terms of like using a basic RP, how hard is this session for you? Was it a six or a seven? Giving that out of 10 and that gives you a unit of work and then calculate throughout the week. And then you'd have a chronic workload. So comparing 
your chronic workload to the last four weeks or an acute workload week to week. And there's little things that give you nudges. They're, they're, not, they're not definitive and nothing is definitive and it never is. And it's not possible for any system to say that this will guarantee that you will not get injuries or, or reduce like fatigue or anything like that. It's just giving you an indication and you're making a decision off that data. Sometimes we're helping you make a decision. Sometimes you go, well, do you know, I've talked to the player and he, he sees different and feels different. So you can move on from that. But... Uh, yeah, I think we did some good work then. I think we had a really good squad. We had incredibly good work there. Can we had some good results? I still think it stands. I think that 2003 season, we won the first five games of the season when it was the old Celtic League. And we had a good team. I think uh, probably belief was the thing that you were trying to gain. If you had a bit more in you, you would have probably done more maybe, you know. But yeah, it was a really enjoyable time for me. I, I, I yeah, kind of, I was lucky enough, I was 20 and there's, the options in terms of number seven, they were, I suppose, other people, I think they were there, thereabouts, but I felt there was an opportunity for me to play and I was given that opportunity, so I'm grateful for that. And then, you, from two, you got 12 Ireland caps, but they came after you, you'd left here when you, when you went to, to Wasps. Do you think you would have got them if you'd stayed here, or was there a, still a perception maybe that Connacht just didn't get a fair crack? No, I think I, I think I would have got them. I think Wasp certainly helped in terms of kicking on. You know, I was playing with some world class players, and you pick up some very good habits within that environment. But uh, look, I, I I don't believe that that's the case. Some other people might think that Eric Elwood got capped. It was the number one out half in the country for many years. Uh, I was involved with 20. I wasn't far off getting capped at 21, 20, 20, 21 years of age. So, no, I don't. I think if you're good enough, you'll get your opportunity. Uh, look, there is some calls that are very, very tight, and you may feel not going away, but like the coach is going to pick the best, best player. Uh, at least I think with the opportunities now, like in the way the Challenge Cup is and the Champions Cup, like, you know, people are getting exposed to that level that's closer to international rugby. But certainly, like, I think, yeah. Look, there is no doubt that if your team are playing better, there's more chance of you getting picked because, therefore, if your team are playing better as a group, then you're probably going to play better on top of that. But at the time, I didn't think that is. I think people put, like to put limitations on themselves and say, well, it's this, that, and the other. Like, the reality of the day, the reality of it is that if you're good enough, I think you get picked. There might be some people that feel hard done by and feel hard done by by my comments, but I never believed it was something that held me back. For the people, they may have thought it was, but certainly it wasn't for me. I think, I believe, like John Muldoon got capped in 2009. People got capped when they were playing well, playing well enough to what someone thought the level was. And also, it's a very competitive environment as well, so if there's a load of back row players, it's very hard for the coach to justify okay, pulling this guy in when he feels you're kind of on parity and this guy's done a job from already. So it's a difficult kind of thing to crack. And there's a look in it too. And there was a look for them when I, when I had my opportunity as well. So when you, when you got that opportunity, but, but just looking at Wasps again, was that, how different to Connacht was that as a, as a setup? And how much did you learn there? Was, was, was that because it was, you know, it was a, at that stage, it was, it was an English club, maybe a privately owned club, Different setup, not not attached to a union in the way that the, the provinces are. Was that was that an interesting scenario to go into? It was a very working class club, to be honest. Uh, like there was, we had a couple of guys that were world class and the best players in the world in the position. But how they carried themselves today today was incredible to be around. Uh, the difference is the club pay your wages and. Uh, in case you go and play for your country, you go back and play for your club at the weekend during these international breaks and. I speak to fellas that would have 
previous lads that would have come over from Ireland as well and played there. You know, it's probably a special time in the career because it was just different. You know, and it was kind of us against the world, against everyone. We used to timer run into the season quite late, so we'd try and be at our freshest towards the end of the season. And we'd probably push ourselves very hard in the pre-season, early parts of in-season. You know, maybe results wouldn't go away, but like when the business end of the season came, like we were probably a team that done less work, smarter work than anyone else, would be better conditioned and ready to go. And I think generally the results saw that fruition. And I think that was kind of Warren's big plan, you know, put us in knockout rugby and he'll get us in a position to perform. It was, it was like, you're kind of very lucky because it's happened so long ago. And the only kind of reflection is like four years of my life and every year the club managed to win something during those things. I only managed to play in one game. I got injured after about 50 seconds in that and I was injured for two more and I wasn't selected for another final. So it was, it's kind of like, it kind of passed you by a bit, you know. I didn't really get to enjoy it because it was always on to the next thing. We wanted to win the next thing and the next thing. And they went from 2003, I think, or to 2008, winning something pretty every year. Like So, yeah, it's a great great place great bunch of lads and we still catch up a little reunion we had a 10 year one there last year in London it's just they're good guys they really are really good guys and I think we didn't have that much money either as much people would believe you know that there was a couple of lads that obviously got paid well and there was the rest of us but uh, it was worth it it was worth it. it was worth your time and like for what I had of, what I had of it my time there it was yeah it was a usually enjoyable part of rugby although I wish I enjoyed it more and sat still and kind of you don't realise you're doing something and you're in a special club until you leave it and you reflect maybe 10 years down and you go, geez, that's pretty amazing when you look at what other people have won as clubs and you go, well, that was, that was kind of phenomenal. And you didn't pinch yourself at the time because you didn't, know, didn't realise that maybe that's, your, that's what the expectation around the group was. But yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it was... It's a very fun time. It's great. It's a great. It's a great club, and look, it's obviously in Coventry now, so it's no longer London Wasps, and it's a, probably a different entity now than it was. I think they probably have a far bigger budget than we would have had, and probably have spent a lot more cash. But they still have to regain that success. And uh, I think a club like that, with the amount of investment they've had, then I, think, I know Dal Young has just signed a new deal. But yeah, you have to ask questions in terms of when are you going to start winning trophies again. But it is tight. Premiership is very hard. Different league, Pro 14, a lot different. Yeah, talk to me about that. Obviously, you've got relegation there. So if you're down the bottom, you've got you've got that Worcester are in that position, although London Irish are kind of holding it at the moment. But is it a, is it a tougher league? It's different league. It's different. It's a more physical league. Uh, I think I, I was pretty banjaxed by the time I moved back here in 2007. I had a couple of years of <laughs> recalibrating myself, as I like to call it, because... I found, a, found found it hard to find form consistently because I was pretty banged up, you know. I had significant neck injury, rupture my Achilles, ankle reconstruction. I just, the list goes on and on, but the teams are a lot more physical. They're a lot more heavier. Size does matter. Relegation does matter. If you're playing a team at this, towards the bottom of the league and they're fighting for their lives, that game is going to be different uh, than if it's coming towards the end of the season in Pro 14. I'm not saying that one is better than the other, uh, but yeah, it certainly is. I think it can be more physical. You can look at the size of the players, and you listen to Dolph O'Callum talking recently there, just in terms of like he was 113 kilos and it over to Worcester. They want up between 115 and 115, just carrying a bit, maybe a bit more weight on them. Yeah, it's it's like it's a war of attrition. <laughs> it is every game is hard, regardless of like the scoreline and stuff like that. It's 
it can be quite tough now I, I've not played it's 10 years since I played in the Premiership but I think it's continued on that kind of line that it's an upward kind of curve the size kind of matters but uh yeah, it's a great, it's a great league. I, I really enjoy it. There's no, they came every, but it goes and swings around. But a lot of people talk about like all the success of English teams in the Champions Cup and stuff uh, at the moment. But like, like Saracens have been winning. I've like have had the, had the last two years they've won the Champions Cup. So it's kind of, well, it doesn't just die off like that. It's still a, a very, very good league. And yeah, if I was a young Irish player though, and my choice of staying in Ireland or going to England. I think very strongly about it in terms of the club you were going to. You'd want to be going to a club that's either winning silverware and has a big squad to rotate because you will be looked after better in the country as as the programme is here at the moment. I think Wales are trying to get into that kind of model as well. And uh, in terms of it protects the game here as well. And uh, I've kind of gone to a long-winded, long answer here. It protects the game here as well, but I think as an athlete it protects you a bit as well. Like At the end of the day, the club... We'll try and play as much as they can within reason because you're their acid and uh, I have no problem with that. That's a business. But during my time playing, I love that. I love that I'd go home and I'd love that I was going home playing for a club and a place that gave me an opportunity. So, And when... Do the younger players coming up now, are they more aware of situations about how they have to look after themselves? I know they all want to play all the time, but... Even coming through the school system or the the underage system, is there a better process of explaining to them? You're gonna there's minutes. You'll play minutes. You'll play a certain number of games. It's do, do they have a better understanding of the structure? Oh, I think they. I think they will. I think they will from our academy systems and stuff for like that. Uh, it kind of has to be because you'll be getting pulled left, right, and centre. If you're a young, talented kid at eighteen years of age, and your school wants you, and your club wants you, and then the province wants you, it's a very careful time for a, a young kid. And I think I worked with uh, teenagers from sixteen up to twenty-one, and you can get bitten in the ass if you don't mind those kids because once they break, it's very, very hard to get them back out of that. It's in a bit of a rut and it could be a long rut as well also. Like So I think you have to look after the kids and it's prominent, It's been prominent in other sports as well and highlighted that you know the amount of overtraining, the amount of ass that's put on young athletes is is too much. So it should be tracked and there should be someone there to track it because it's hard to know it's hard to quantify what you miss because some guys just don't come through because of it you know you can get fed up with playing sports you know if we had to play rugby 12 months of the year you'd you're pretty tired of it you know you need that break and release and then sometimes we're asking young kids to you know we want you playing an under 18s game we want you a club game so it's 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 controlled it's controlled quite well and you're trying to educate the coach around us yeah look it's not when you played not when I played as well. Also, <laughs> that uh, you, just, you can't you can't do that anymore. The game is getting more physical. It's taking a bit longer to recover. But also, I'm aware as well that you know, at a young age, you need to get your players technically good, and then towards the latter stages, stage three and stage four, like tactically aware of what to do. You know, but uh, I think we do a very very good job. Of what we've got, I think sometimes we we produce some world class talent through this. Uh, through the academy program, through Nigel and what's there now with Eric and Mossy and Ambrose and the academy strength condition stuff, uh, that you know we're we're pushing in the right direction and we're doing the best of what the lot we have. And finally, what what, what do you want to, to stay in a role like this, or do you have a, a different role? And also, what you mean in Connacht, you, you're a very focused um, person, or I feel, and that's comes across when when I'm talking to you. So. How do you see your your career progressing? Where do you want to go? 
you, you always feel like you have something bigger within you. And this, I was talking to a friend of mine the last day about it. Just we we're speaking like you know, you always feel like you have something bigger in you. But I was trying to find out what that is. But the number one thing for me is to be good at the job I'm in at the moment and try and be world class at that. And if other opportunities came up outside that, you don't know where your decision making process is. But at the moment, this is an incredibly rewarding job for me. I'm I'm from Galway. I'm from Connacht, I suppose, and uh, this is a place that, you know, has given me an awful lot of opportunity. You know, I, I was no angel in school and rugby certainly uh, pulled me out of those doldrums and I owe this place a lot more than I could ever give it back. So I'm grateful for that. So I'm not thinking of the next big thing. I'm just thinking of how can I be part, how can I help with Dave Howard, my boss, doing his job. How can I help this place be world-class without making excuses, without making, we haven't got this, we haven't got that, uh, without any of that language, just what can we do to make this place world-class? Because, like, facilities and money, all those things don't matter for my job, you know. Like, in terms of my job is gathering knowledge and my ability to coach and working with the staff we have here at the moment. Like, you know, that I think... We're a lot better than uh, you deem like that. There might be a dip down from problem to problems, but I think you know we're developing a world class sports medicine team here, and because uh, we're fighting for every bit of, we're fighting to get better, and we're very focused on that. So for me, <laughs> what a long answer is that? Like I just want to be as good as I can be in this job here. I want to want to say I want like people to recognise on the outside that eventually, yeah, that they've done an incredible job, like in terms of like one player availability that's the number one thing that's what we're, our goal is for players to play rugby and keep them in that fit bucket throughout the year that's my number one thing within this environment and uh, then after that I suppose probably pushing more individuals to have a bit more belief in themselves like cause, you know there's highs and lows of rugby and stuff like that but your level of I think I've spoken, I've spoken about already is your level of application will dictate how far you go and sometimes you think you're there and then you're not it's like when you're a young fellow and you think you know it all 20 and then at 22 you think you know it all and then at 27 you think you know it all and 37 now and I used to think I know it all but now I know I know nothing so uh, <laughs> it's just a long it's a long old haul but uh, it's just trying to bring people back to centre without being without, uh, just without being a prick about it like you know there's no need for people to be shouted at there's no need to be roared at you know, the, the job is trying to create focus and uh, if you can create focus with good application then you're in the right place because it takes deep 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 work of understanding of what your role is as a player to get better and yeah there is a level of talent that is needed on top of that but if you're here and you're getting paid to be a professional player I think you're a good good player and how good can you get because if you started playing rugby in the morning and you started getting better passing and then all of a sudden your carry started getting better then what's the trajectory of how good you can get because I don't know that no one knows that so when someone starts improving something special can happen and uh, you should latch on to those latch on to any improvements any player makes and let them know that that's been good and that might be the thing that kicks them on again and again and again and they can keep on top and topping up and it doesn't happen by accident like some players come out of nowhere sometimes but through incredibly hard effort Johnny it's been great to talk to you thanks for talking to the Craggy Rugby Podcast thanks for having me 
the voice of Johnny O'Connor and uh, really good insight. And we do appreciate this access we get to the background within Connacht too because it, it allows us to really kind of understand what's going on in there. Okay, I want to just do some any other business and see if there's anything else. So have a think, people. Will I start unless someone has something? Okay, my any other business was on the Leinster Rugby Twitter account yesterday was an exclusive interview with Lee Cullen on Leinster Rugby TV. Like, mother of God, the use of the word exclusive there. They are, they are, what, are they winning a battle with other media organisations to get their own coach on their own television channel? It's not only Leinster do that. They did it here once before as well and it's done elsewhere too. This idea of where media is going and how teams, great that they're creating their own media content, not so good if they think to themselves that they're a media organisation along the lines of a radio station or a, te- or a paper. It's just nonsense. The use of the word exclusive, mother of God. Well done. You got your own coach to talk to. Good work, guys. I'm sure they grilled him. Not any other business? I don't. Oh. I don't, actually. No other business whatsoever. <laughs> Here, my only business is rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, other than uh, I have booked uh, booked tickets to or booked flights for going to Bilbao for the uh, Challenge of Fighters. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well, my, go anyways. yeah, well, I have fa- I have family over there. Um, my aunt's lived in Bilbao for the last forty years. Oh, um, it's a fantastic city. The stadium is amazing. It's she has a fantastic house with about three spare bedrooms. Two, Linley, two <laughs> spare bedrooms, <laughs> and a fold-out couch. <laughs> I've got that. Thanks, that shotgun. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh, I'm going to go anyway. So but what a weekend! Of rugby. I, I only oh, realised really it when I was. It just cropped up that I. I said, I think she's well, on my course of this. going by ferry to send no, well, This is a rumour. But then Mayo are playing Galway on the Sunday, so i got to get back. <laughs> okay. If, can you imagine if Alan was on this podcast? Oh, if I mentioned GA. Anyways, moving on. Dave. Yeah, my partner's a, uh, a Spanish language teacher, and I said, yeah, I'd love to go to Spain around about the beginning of May. And uh, she went, oh, it's south. No, I'm thinking the north, just for something different. Um, yeah, she kind of copped immediately <laughs> while I was talking. Right? Um, How no, much Basque to Spanish is spoken in Bilbao? Uh, very it's uh, highly spoken My, um, the club Guernica that's a famous rugby club there oh, yeah. um, there was a scene of a massive bombing in World War 2 oh, but um, they do speak an awful, an awful lot of it in fact there was a school from Bilbao uh, Bass School over in the girls school in Ormore cool. uh, this, the summer just gone cool Lily, any other business? No, nope, not tonight. Okay, good to hear. Well, can oh, I? Oh ta- yeah, yeah, hold on. Yada yada posts. Yeah, yada painted, blah blah blah. Painting. painting. Paint posts. Paint posts. Climb the gates. Uh, go in. Shimmy up the poles. Yeah. Paint the poles. And green. yeah, yeah. Black spot in the middle. Blah blah. There we go. There you go. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks, Alan. Um, <laughs> and uh, finally, I just wanted to mention that a very. Well, you see it on the Twitter accounts, but. Uh, First time we're going to do our own uh, Six Stations preview night live in the SCEF on the 2nd of February. Try and get there if you can. Find out all the details on that correctly, rugby. It's just been finalised. We should have it all up on by the time this podcast is up. We'll be talking Six Stations. Women's Six Nations and men's Six Nations preview. Prep yourselves for some really serious questions coming from the audience. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like it. Oh, yeah. Especially on the women's game because I know you're an expert. Well, I tell you, I'm reading up left, right and centre and I'm catching up and I'm going to know my stuff when I get there and I'll still be found out by someone in the audience asking me questions. Lindy, that's it. Thanks for joining us. It's all a matter of opinion. You don't have to know everything about Not everything. At all. My job is to ask questions and have as few opinions as possible, really, to be honest. That's what a good journalist should be like. Ah, oh, see, I'm going to finish. Come on that bombshell, Rob might be a good journalist. Join us in a couple of weeks. We're taking a break for the podcast. I think you'll forgive us, people, for giving us a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. No. No, nope. want to see one up next week, the week after, <laughs> midweek, everything. No! All right, thanks, folks. Bye.